0: We Grow California is a podcast paid for by the Exchange Contractors Federal PAC and Exchange Contractors State PAC and is not authorized by any candidate or candidate committee. Welcome to We Grow California with your hosts, Darcy Villery
1: and Darcy Burke,
0: a safe place where we discuss water, agriculture, and everything that makes California grow.
1: We have guests from those who just drink water to those that make water policy, all passionate about the water issues that face all Californians today.
0: Join the conversation by liking, subscribing, and visiting our website, wegrowcalifornia.com. Let's get the conversation started.
1: Darcy, you know what my favorite sound in the world is? No, what is it? One of them is rain because it's like free water.
0: Yeah, no, I love rain. When you pay
1: $1,200 an acre foot and it's raining, I'm a happy, happy girl. And it's raining now.
0: As a New Orleans native, I love love rain. I love the feel of rain. I I love to bake cookies in the rain It's crazy as it's you know just like whenever it starts raining i want to bake cookies seriously Wait,
1: you bake cookies and i've not had any
0: well it's barely ever raining in california why would you have had cookies for me
1: well it rained a lot last year and i still didn't get any cookies but now that i know well, and i know we had a previous guest on and i'm bringing you some direct potable reuse beer okay I then i'll have I'll to make you cookies. I think we'll have to trade it for cookies for beer darcy
0: it's not time to get upset about that it's raining and we have to talk to our next guest who is our very frequent guest, Chris White, the executive director of the Exchange Contractors. And as we're recording today, uh, we are experiencing the weather phenomenon known as an atmospheric river or a pineapple express, I guess. Chris is here to tell us what it may or may not mean for our water supply for the year. So. Okay, but,
1: but be- well, welcome, Chris. Welcome back.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good to be here. It's good to hear about the uh,
2: different types of, uh, of beer and cookies <laughs> as well. Thank, thank you. Thank you for that.
1: We have our priorities straight here on this Clearly. Program, just, yeah, just so you know.
2: Evidently, yeah.
1: Um, but maybe um, for those that are uninitiated or don't know, can you tell us what is an atmospheric river, and is it always a Pineapple Express? I thought they oh. were different.
2: No, this is uh, this is a really
0: good question. Yeah, I actually. don't know, seriously.
2: Yeah, well, I knew you were going to ask this question, so I kind of did a little research, I, and I really didn't know the answer to it. Yeah, you know, I was around in 1997 when a quote-unquote Pineapple Express came through. And we were sitting there, as I recall, in '97. We had a fairly full Millerton Reservoir, and it was a warm storm that came through. It was a heavy storm, pretty warm, melted the snow, took uh, took uh, Millerton and Fryant to flood stage quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, started spilling over the top and over the, through those drum gates, and we ended up with uh, oh, uh, maybe the 500-year flood coming down that channel. The channel is designed to carry 8,000 cfs. On that day, we had 60,000 CFS coming at us. Wow. At wow. That Now that, they called it a Pineapple Express, and it always sticks in my mind. Pineapple Express to me means a warm storm, but they're not always warm. I mean, these uh, two atmospheric rivers that we're getting now, the first one's a little warmer, and the second one is probably going to be more intense, but it's going to be cooler, and we'll get some snow out of it. And uh, it probably, so not a scientist here or... Uh, or or the weatherman, but I can tell you that, um, you know, it just depends on how it intersects with uh, with cooler air coming uh, from up north and uh, where it intersects on the coast. But, well, does uh, it also,
0: if it's a Pineapple Express, is it actually kind of originating or passing by Hawaii in some fashion, or is it just well, like you Well, that's what they say. It's just yeah, a temperature I mean, thing. It's like, well, if it's...
2: Yeah. Well, I, and I guess, I don't know, what do you do? Check the suitcases for like stickers on it to see whether, you know, I, yeah. I guess I could tell... <laughs> but but yeah that's what they say it's uh originates somewhere close to hawaii but as i understand it all of these atmospheric storms originate somewhere near the equator okay and and then uh you know the the warm uh the warm ocean pushes uh moisture into the air and then you get this long uh corridor or filament of concentrated moisture in the atmosphere and then it flows along it looks like if you look at it on a like on weather.com and you get to put the motion in Ooh, yeah. it really does look like a river, you know? Oh yeah yeah as mm-hmm. as it moves along. So I think that's why it's gotten the 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 moniker of atmospheric river, pineapple express, tropical flume, tropical Ooh. connection, moisture plume, water vapor surge. Wow. It's almost like you're reading to- off
0: a list online or something, Chris. Is that what you it know? is,
2: it is, it is, but I here's my two favorite ones. <laughs> okay. all-time favorites cyclone bomb oh yeah oh i know that yeah yeah well you know after nine in a row you you, you're they're running out of names to call this stuff right so
0: (laughs) well that's like a colder one right that's one that's like oh yeah it's hitting hard it's got a lot of moisture but it's going to drop a lot of snow it's it's a bomb so it's like it's a bomb yeah Yeah.
1: they're like 17 last year
0: something atmospheric rivers you could have been uh i i lost track after nine yeah so, and is this only, uh, and do we know how many we've had this year?
2: Well, they said there was one earlier, uh, but this, the, it, they were, it was pretty weak. And then I believe this, this one that we just experienced, we're in between storms right now, right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one. That would be
1: in the Central Valley for our listeners. In Southern California, we're right in the middle of it. <laughs> <I'm>
2: sorry. <laughs> As we record, sorry. right in the middle of it right now. <laughs> I, I keep thinking the center of the universe is right here in Los Banos. So sorry. It is. That, but, it yeah. is. That's where my yeah. heart is.
1: Let me yeah. just tell you.
2: Oh, uh, well, and the, the last one you hear this year is the arc storm. I guess that means it's so bad you're going to build the arc. Well, that's
0: what they're talking about, right? They're, that's the, yeah. everybody's fear is that's an arc, which actually that an arc storm being a storm that's so yeah. bad, it creates yeah. a huge amount of flooding, which goes into my, but, my next question actually, Oh, which is, oh. so the reservoirs are really already very full, right? At, at, you know, high, like you just said, Oroville today, we're seeing it's doing flood releases. Yeah. And there's only so much pumping capacity at San Luis Reservoir between banks and between Jones. Right. So how beneficial is a storm like this when? Because when we were in the drought, you know, it could hit hard, fill the reservoirs. And we did not care. We weren't running water. Right. But now we're running water. And if it doesn't hit right, you know, it might we might not have as much as we're thinking. So how beneficial do you feel like the storm is going to be to the water system?
2: Well, here's my opinion. You always, I'm always in favor of just bring it on. If there's a storm in the in the works, just bring it on. We need it. Mm-hmm. We need it.
1: I'll second that.
2: Yeah, and it's like you know, it is beneficial. You're right that it's you know, positionally where we're at after 2023. We're in a very beneficial position at Shasta and Folsom and Oroville. Fairly beneficial still. Uh, in san luis and they're still building but we're not at 100 pumping you know the thing you got to worry about here is that's what's
0: funny to me it's still what's funny to me we're still not 100 pumping well every time it isn't 100 in situations like this it's shocking
2: well it's because these regulations they ramp up as it gets wet and delta flows you know there's a lookup table for water rights decision d1641 which was passed by the water board back in about 1992 somewhere in there and there's a lookup table that based on Uh, how wet a month is that the the next month has a lookup table for how much outflow needs to happen. Okay. We needed to keep raining for this outflow standard to be met in order for you to pump
0: minimally. Uh, You
1: don't think maybe the science could have since 1992.
0: I thought we were doing better than just the tables. Cause I know whenever we talk about this, we talk about the the salinity levels and everything. And it's like, well, for meeting really, it's still just based off a 40 year old table.
2: Uh, D1641 is the underlying kind of regulation that everything else is layered over on and it should be improved. It needs to be, if it's a calendar based lookup table. All right. Mm -hmm. We need to do better. It's like the, the, we're, we're with the kind of outflows that we're seeing now with the moisture we're seeing right now, the outflow standard next month will have a number of, of, uh, of days that require 29,000 CFS worth of outflow. All right. So we need the storms to continue. Once it gets into a wet pattern, you need it, you need it to continue. Uh, and you know, and for another, for a couple of reasons, one, we need to make standards and which is, which is fine and good. And the other one is, um, you know, the Delta itself is kind of a complicated animal and we need to get, yeah, yeah. Did you
1: just say kind of?
2: It is. I was, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Okay. It is. It's very complicated. Um, and we need to get flows coming into the delta from both the north and the south, and up to date, you know, from the south has' been pretty weak, All, except for this last storm, we're starting to see some flow. but so what we need to do is at this time of the year, we need to get the salts that have accumulated last year during the pumping season and during the middle of the summer when flow outflows were less. We need to start getting those salts pushed out, get a clean delta to start the the season with, and it'll it'll help us. Uh, going into the summer when we do need to pump to meet demands and uh, and buttress up allocations. Also, it'll help us uh, uh, to the extent that that happens and meeting standards, and it's good for everything. It's good for the environment. It's good for the urbans that take water out of the Delta. Yep. And it's And it's especially good for the ag guys <laughs> who are really counting on those allocations. So I would say, yeah, probably... It's not as beneficial directly, you know, after having uh, full reservoirs for allocation, but it is surprisingly beneficial for later in the season because we count on that pumping for allocations because they look at the water supply through basically through August in order to make those allocations.
1: So I have a loaded question for you, Chris. Surprise. Surprise, surprise, by the way. Yeah, Yeah, I I know you're very surprised. How much would Sites Reservoir and other stream reservoirs have had if they were already built for a wet season and like a storm we're having right now?
2: Well, well it would be tremendously beneficial. But you know, the answer that depends. Um, so think about where we're at today in 2024 following a 2023. Now, you would say to yourself, whoa, geez, you know, in a vacuum, if we had... Uh, another, let's say uh, 2 million acre feet of storage amongst the combined reservoirs that are out there, two and a half, two to two and a half million acre feet of storage. Wow. If we're able to, if it rained enough this year, able to fill it, that would be tremendous and still meet outflow standards and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And that could be the case this year, but it just happened in 2023. If we'd have had those reservoirs last year, we'd, we'd, we'd probably be in really good shape in those reservoirs. And to me, you know what that means is, um, Probably wouldn't be able to capture much more this year because we, we'd have we'd have a lot of water in the reservoirs, but we darn sure would be more drought resilient. We'd have water in the reservoirs. Uh, these kinds of storms come in. We yeah okay we we'd uh, take advantage of it, pump it, use it directly, squirrel away that storage for use in the future, and then we got into a drier period. We'd be able to use it. So instead of being drought resilient for a half year, maybe it lasts a year, maybe two years. Uh, with those reservoirs in place, so darn right, those are very valuable, and they need to be built in order for drought resiliency. And we could use them right now.
1: So we talked about storage, right? But we haven't yeah. talked about uh, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act and pumping restrictions, or on a, and that that aspect of it. Yeah. And obviously, rain recharges groundwater basins. It does. Not magically, not immediately. So when rain is slow and steady, it's better. Yep. So how do these atmospheric rivers impact groundwater recharge? Is it better to have more time between them? Is it better to, what's better? You're not a scientist, Chris, but you are a a water God. So tell me, did you like that? Yeah,
0: I did. I want to be
1: water czar. You can be water God. (laughs) I'm pretty well speechless by that. Okay. Well,
2: let's, well, so let's see. Um, My answer to that is, uh, um, any, any kind of rainfall, uh, is good. Um uh, the, mo- you know, it's ground contact time, right? So if you get a high intensity, a lot of runoff, it's less valuable for recharge than a slower rainfall event. We get the same amount of rainfall spread over a longer period of time. You get more recharge out of it. Okay. That's, that's natural. That's in nature, right? But where you really get a lot more, uh, benefit out of it is if you prepare ahead of time, build a few basins for water to run into, uh, construct some uh, some in route storage or transitory storage where, uh, as as channels fill up they fill up as they're flowing downstream and then they overflow into recharge basins. You know, there's things that we can do that are not that expensive. Now, all this stuff costs money and it's expensive, but these are the kinds of things that a lot of people are looking at right now to enhance the ability that no matter what the shape of the storm that comes in whether it's fast and and furious and we get a lot of runoff that we can run some water into recharge basins and really take full advantage of those events.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of curious where that where it is happening right now because we're not Millerton's not running at flood stages into the bypasses yet, right? So I know there's no. recharge no. capacity people have built along there but we're not we're not even there yet, right?
2: No, not there's not a lot of it built along the San Joaquin River. Although there's some. Well, I mean, um, on
0: the even on the bypass channels, I know Chowchilla has a channel. couple there, and that's what I mean. Once it gets yeah. wet enough, that's when I know it's really wet. When I'm heading to Chowchilla yeah. and you go over the yeah. two bypasses, and yeah. you see water flowing, they're like, "Oh yeah, it's real wet," and you know, it's going to be a good year. But I haven't seen that yet.
2: You haven't seen it this year for sure, and it doesn't happen down the bypass. Maybe about frequency is about one in three years, Darcy. So it is, it, it is a, a a wetter event to produce that. And when water is running down the bypass, it means that there's too much water to come down the main stem of the San Joaquin. So they're having to bypass it. And I know those folks along, the, along that area are, re, I mean, they're prepared. Mm-hmm. They've got turnouts, they've got basins, they're recharging it. Uh, I know uh, over in the Red Top area, uh, those folks have really taken it to heart and seriously. And when there's water available, they're recharging and uh, they need to. Uh, they, they do have, uh, they have a water supply issue and a subsidence issue, and it's been tremendously helpful for them to be aware of that compa- that capability and taking advantage of it. But, I, but I can tell you, you know, being a student of the hydrologic record of the, of the flow records uh, down the Kings River into the Mendota pool or the San Joaquin River into the Mendota pool, both those rivers intersect there. I go back and look in history at the amount of look at similar type storms and the amount of flow that we get down the river, Mm -hmm. man, I could tell you the evidence in my view, just looking at the resulting flow, there's a lot of recharge going up in those basins. I mean, so we're same storm. We're getting less water down the river, same storm. You're getting more water down, say the Frank Kern canal going down to recharge basins or the same storm on the Kings river. You'd get more water taking off the river by the districts and recharging in those basins. And you know, uh, good for them. I think that's what should be done. Uh, but we're, we do see some less water coming into the pool. So the the evidence is there. There's a lot of people taking advantage of it, uh, especially in those two systems.
1: So Chris last year um, I think both between the federal and the state project, we each had a hundred percent allocation, yeah. but we didn't get to take a hundred percent because we didn't right. have the infrastructure. Yeah, Right. Yeah. So if you could wave your magic wand, what, Two projects would you build right now to improve your ability to take a hundred percent should you get a hundred percent? I know you don't have your allocation yet. You, ha- you have to wait a little bit longer than the state, but you don't want the number we have right now. so
2: yeah. what well, would you I, what
1: are two projects?
2: If money were no object, I'd build uh, more uh, more delta pumping com- you know capacity mm-hmm. so that you could take more advantage of it uh, when it's there. Uh, and that means more capacity uh, down the system more storage in the system so those two things uh, more capacity from the delta and more storage that's that's on the infrastructure side but just let's think about it what happens what is another reason why it's more difficult to take 100% supply well that's because there's so many 5% or 10% allocations mixed in there i mean how you know you get you get customers who are now dealing with scarcity of water in one year you take the transition from 2022, which was a zero percent allocation, to yep. a 2023 as a hundred percent allocation. Dealing with that in that short period of time is one of the issues. So we need these these infrastructure struct, uh, projects that we've been talking about. It just, if nothing else, to bring stability to water supply, more reliability. That's what's missing.
1: So I'm going to back up just a little bit because we talked about a decision. That was made in 1992. You had the number. I I apologize. I D-, 1640. It. D 1640.
2: D 1641. Sorry, 1641. I misstated. Well, I'll probably get oh. marked off for of that too. A
1: 1641. Yeah. And that we have better science and better ways to. Yep. That maybe that we can make a better decision now, yeah. so yeah. that it's actually policy that we could be making better decisions, moving water.
2: Sure. Yep.
1: You no, know, not just based on a calendar like this is the day.
2: Yep. This, is the day, of- this is the day, and here's a lookup table. It's 29,200 29, of outflow. There's no, no more, no less. It's what we need.
1: So when we had Jennifer Pierre here from State Water Project Contractors, she was talking yeah. about how they're trying to use the science for atmospheric rivers, yep. right, to make better decisions, to managing reservoirs and that type of thing.
2: Yeah, that's, that's such a cool topic. I saw a presentation on this the other day, and I thought, man, this is really impressive.
1: So- What's taking so long? Yeah,
0: seriously. If We we know that's a thing and everybody agrees it's a thing, I think. Right,
1: and I, I know well, Scripps, Scripps I, in San Diego is doing phenomenal work on right, being able right. to predict and do yeah. a better job and let yeah. you know, hey, this is coming, but we're still relying on that policy from 1992 that says on this chart, on this day, this is oh, what you that, do? No,
2: you're kind of talking apples and oranges some oh, okay, that, good. Okay, we're talking uh, <laughs> uh, pumping from the delta or delta outflow versus Scripps. What's looking at these atmospheric storms is- if you take a reservoir and then you could predict more accurately what the intensity of that storm is and you, Mm -hmm. then you more accurately predict how much water is going to come into that reservoir. So the way they did it in the old days, you just had it, you had a, the core prepared these charts. And then during certain times of the season, you had to maintain a certain amount of flood control. Well, if you got into the flood season and you knew with a fair amount of accuracy, how much the storm was actually going to put into the reservoir. Well, then you could, you could probably, uh, pull that reservoir, you know, fill it up fuller going into that season and mm-hmm. preserve some water into the water year. And it's one heck of a tool to be able to um, to conserve more water for use during the summer uh, that occurs in the winter is being able to look at that, have the most accurate predictions as to how much inflow a reservoir is going to have. So that's what Scripps is doing with these, uh, with these uh, atmospheric river predictions and and in some of the reservoirs that they are working on they've they've got several, as I understand it
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, that they've been implementing this in a pilot project kind of a fashion. so it's a matter of gaining the confidence of agencies and and getting enough funding to get the studies done to uh, to uh, make all that work.
1: yeah I was fortunate I got to see a presentation at, at Urban water Institute on it and yeah. and there's some reservoirs in Southern California that that they're working on to basically true up the science, so to speak, yeah, yeah. you know, prove it. But I think when you apply it to something like Orville or Shasta, it does yeah. impact Delta flows because Good. when you, if you're going to let water out of the reservoir to capture more later, it's got to go through the Delta.
2: Well, the idea there would be though, just to not, well, you'd, you'd release more if you thought more water was going to come in from the storm, mm-hmm. but you release less if you thought the storm was not exactly. as big. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a way to, Way to more accurately predict and let's just be more precise in the way we operate these reservoirs that ba- that has a more true balance between flood control and water supply.
0: So I'm curious, Chris, uh, you know what uh, you're going to be speaking at our annual PAC meeting coming up again.
2: Yeah. My, yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. So are we.
0: Yeah. What are the topics you think you'd be hitting highlights? Cause I wonder, will we even know our allocation by then? Cause it's always well, so up in the air. No, these days. we
2: won't know. We know we won't know, but, um, and I, you know, and it's like, uh, I'm, I'm not going to come out and say what allocations are ahead of time, but I, but I can't, but I have a really good idea as to what operations are and what to look out for and what you should be paying attention to. And, uh, you know, so if you want to know what I'm going to cover, uh, I'll probably talk about a little bit about some local history. It's my sickness. Yeah, I was going to say no, you really? of all people yeah. talk yeah. about local history. Yeah. You and history, no what? way, Chris. I may. You never know. I may file fire off on uh, El Camino Viejo, the old road through the valley. Mm-hmm. Got I've done some research on that lately, and or uh, uh, I may talk about Las Juntas or uh, the old road and San Luis Reservoir relative to Joaquin Marietta. That's kind Ooh. of a cool story. I don't know. I may touch on that. I I haven't quite decided stories about Milner Lux, or, um, you know, you're in Santanella. Uh, the El Camino Viejo went right through that area. In fact, you could probably, from where we're at in the mission, if you had a strong arm, you could throw a rock and hit the thing, probably. Wow. Uh, or uh, the old stagecoach line that came over uh, Pacheco Pass. I've done some research on that as well. So, or, or I just may fire back to the old standby, which is JFK, August 18th, 1962, which sends chills up and down my spine to think about him standing on Kennedy Hill and dedicating that facility. And he, in his speech, he said, things do not happen. They are made to happen. And boy, is that ever true today?
1: Isn't it though? Yep. You know, I used that clip when I was on a panel with Darcy's uncle. Oh, about how this project is an example for the world on how to take and support abundant agriculture and yeah. i love that absolutely love that, that is, and, I, yeah. and i'm an urban girl right so, i bet i've been accused of being big ag by the way
0: let's really?
2: will
1: have a chuckle about that
2: <laughs> well i've known you to be i know i've known you to be paying attention to folks like jfk the visionaries who had a really strong vision of what california should be yeah and uh i think that's that's really neat but, so uh, water operations, an update on various uh, proposals and programs that I think are important for us to kind of recognize and how they might affect the landscape in a couple years from now. You know, the stuff that concerns me, just raise some of those issues at the, at the, at the mm-hmm. Um, And, uh, and then just uh, probably close with, uh, uh, with uh, our exact position in operations and what to be looking out for.
1: We are gonna have a legislative update as well.
2: Go oh, good. Am I gonna give it? No. Okay, good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> special guests. Yeah, have special guests. People have to yeah. register and find out.
2: Nice. Very nice.
1: Yeah. Is there anything you you want to, to add, Chris, that we didn't ask you this time either about this winter storm, what you're you you don't want to talk about allocations, but do you wanna to, wanna to give any type of prediction of of whether you have a positive outlook on what might be coming?
2: Uh, I can give you an idea as to whether I have a positive outlook at the meeting for sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a hook for sure. I think that's the fun
0: thing, right? Everybody says, so what are we going to do? It's like, there's still, we've gone through two months. There's three wet months really in California, right? December, this wet, that's why I was here. The wet months, December, January, and February, the wettest months, two are down. We need another, we need potentially a lot of people in the system, uh, need a nice wet February to really make it really teaser sing. teaser.
2: We're going into the season with full reservoirs and the start of a season. That's looking okay right now. So teaser is with full reservoir. And if, even if the 90%, the dry forecast was pretty dry. Yeah. There'd be, there's going to be
0: some allocation there. So, uh,
1: that sounds positive to me. But
0: that's by the time, but that's, we're recording now the first day of February and then right. our meeting's at the end. So we'll see what Chris says. Yeah.
1: Literally. Let's see what the, the next, yeah. February Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Next the, few the weeks later, and what the, the story changes. You,
2: the later in the year you ask that question, kind of the, the, the bookends for what we might see. And this is all centered around what the hydrology turns out to be. If you ask the question at the beginning of December or the beginning of January, what you're really asking is what is the wide band of possibilities for rainfall for this year? And it's wide open. The 90% forecast for Shasta on January, on January 1st was the low was 3.1 million and the high was 7.2. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's the range. <laughs> and that's and,
0: January. And then I think you told me beginning of December, it was more, that's like a two X at the beginning of December. It was like a three X yeah. difference, right?
2: Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe a little bit more now. And it can't get too much bigger than that because the, the record you know you get to approach the record but then you know now if you look at so uh, the river forecast center updates their data every day which is cool for me because i get to you know geek out on that stuff and uh, it's like showing shasta now at 3.9 on the dry end and uh, and then still seven or 7.1 on the wet end so it's starting to narrow and it'll get narrower as the as time goes on we'll see what it looks like in february the end of february
1: God, it sounds like it could be wet or it could be dry. That's what it sounds like.
2: It usually does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. could be. Could be. Could be. Yeah.
1: Well, we appreciate you coming, Chris, and always was. always enlightening us.
2: Oh, yeah, it's my pleasure. I hope uh, I, I, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did.
1: I, we always enjoy having you. We, okay, good. We, we appreciate the time and the expertise and the history lesson.
0: Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. So join us at the... Uh at our event exchange at the end of the-
1: contractor just
0: pack. Yeah, I was going to say where where's the can go to find information on the uh, event Thursday?
1: ecwaterpack.com.
0: All right, thanks. Well, we'll see you all next time. You've been listening to a We Grow California podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or would be interested in being a guest, please check out our website wegrowcalifornia.com. Sound and audio engineering provided by postandjam.com.